Hello, my name is Dr. Kim Farina, and I'm a veterinarian and host of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis, provided to you by Zoetis Pet Care. We're on season six, and welcome to the first season of the year. In 2021, we're focusing on topics like communication, leadership, business, technology. I would say a potpourri of areas that are needed to succeed, and most importantly, to be happy and healthy in veterinary medicine. Sure, we may be able to perform a gorgeous anastomosis, but can we mentally thrive in the profession? I think we absolutely can, thanks to the guests we have planned for this year. There will also be an emphasis on corporate veterinary practice and veterinary member groups. So for veterinarians who work in these settings, this will be super helpful. Season six will have two episodes. One episode will focus on current technology in veterinary medicine and ideas for the future. We will also cover how technology can help with COVID-related issues within the profession. Today, we're going to explore COVID fatigue. Oh, and one last thing. What would a pause and reflect with Zoetis episode be without a quiz that has nothing to do with veterinary medicine? Well, so of course we have one today for our guests, so we'll see how he does. Speaking of guests, we have Dr. George Melillo in the house, co-founder and chief veterinary officer of Heart and Paw. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here myself. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, it's our pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your background and your current role. Sure. Um, I definitely was one of those kids that always wanted to be a veterinarian, never thought about being anything differently. Um, and actually, in high school, I was able to work in a veterinary practice with an amazing mentor who's actually still practicing today in his 80s. But he taught me so much about the profession and was such an advocate for it. Um, went to Penn, graduated almost 36 years ago. It'll be uh, 1985. And after graduating, I worked in a large multi-doctor practice in Allentown, PA. Loved it. Had a wonderful mentor there who also practiced into his 80s and really taught me about that client experience. Probably would still be there if I didn't get married um, and have a wife who really wants to be back in Philadelphia. So um, after five years, I joined a classmate of mine, and we started our own practice um, outside of Philadelphia. Did that for many years, um, and you know, probably experienced some compassion fatigue, although I didn't, we didn't really know what that was at the time. But I ended up selling my practice, my interest to my partner, um, amicably. We're still great friends. Uh, and I actually did two startup companies in human pharmaceuticals. Um, one was in contract sales. The other was in kind of the regulatory aspect of sample management. Enjoyed it. Um, sold those companies successfully. Took a little bit of a break. Uh, did some nonprofit work with international adoption. Uh, I have four children I adopted from Latin America. And I kind of enjoyed that, but I, something, you know, I always identified as being a veterinarian. Whether I was traveling on a plane, people asked what I was, I'd say I'm a veterinarian. So I kept my license. I would kind of do relief work, see certain clients at my former practice. But in 2009, I joined a corporate practice uh, as a part-time doctor uh, because I love the corporate world of pharmaceuticals, but I also love that veterinary role. What I really learned there is I love teaching that art of practice, um, so how to really kind of engage with the clients and get their buy-in for treatment plans. 
I loved teaching surgeries. I loved kind of sharing kind of medical knowledge with, with the younger doctors. So I rose up the corporate leadership chain. And when I left after nine years, I, I had oversight over all the hospitals, Virginia, up through New England. Uh, which was about 100 and, 170, 180 hospitals at the time. Um, I, I enjoyed my time there. But one of the things I would see is I would see so many young doctors, the best and brightest minds, come to us eager and excited. And after four or five years, too many of them were looking to kind of escape veterinary medicine, escape clinical practice. Um, so the opportunity to create something different was really the motivation behind Heart and Paw. Um, and, and ultimately, the goal for me was, you know, it wasn't so much about the animals, um, but it's really about the people who serve animals. To me, they have the noblest hearts in the world. Um, you know, they value life a way the world doesn't always understand, let alone respect. We all know the kind of challenges in the profession, you know, the suicide rates, the cyberbullying, the compassion fatigue, the burnout. Um, but I think to really serve the communities, to serve animals, we have to get back to being a, a profession where people want to do this 20, 30 years and, and practice happy, healthy, and financially reward, reward, rewarded for it. Um, so that's really the genesis of Heart and Paw. Um, as the founder, we have, right now we have seven centers kind of in the Philadelphia area where we have general practice, daycare, and grooming. We also have six partner practices that we acquired um, in PA, New Jersey, uh, Delaware, Connecticut, New York. Um, so it's pretty exciting and we're growing and, and it's it's been just wonderful to kind of see this dream come to life. That's wonderful. It's so impressive already. That's that's huge. And, you know, you mentioned compassion fatigue and, and one of the themes for today's show is about COVID fatigue, and, and we're talking about caring for our healthcare team. So let's let's start at the beginning. Let's and tell us how Heart and Paw handled COVID restrictions in the beginning. You know, like the rest of the world, the COVID impact came quite abruptly for our practice. Um, you know, throughout COVID, we've really prioritized the safety of our team members. Uh, the public safety uh, and, as, and delivering that veterinary care to our, our communities. And it's been quite a juggling act. While each state deemed veterinary care essential services, there were nuances uh, to what could and could not be done um, depending on where we were, you know, where we were practicing, some of the local jurisdictions, some of the different state regulations. Uh, Heart and Paw delayed a lot of the electric elective surgeries and any wellness care that could be delayed without potential negative impact on the patient. We donated PPEs when, when asked um, very early in the early days. We registered our anesthetic machines when there were concerns about ventilator shortages. Um, so, so we were very much you know, part of, of the overall kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, focus on really meeting the human needs as well as the, the veterinary needs. You know, we were pretty quick to feel though that delaying vaccine boosters was was negatively impacting pets. So we really didn't allow them to lag too long uh, and be overdue too long. Um, we did start curbside practice, 
right across all of our hospitals before most of the VMAs did. Again, out of that concern about our team. Um, and we really had to adjust the operations pretty quickly based on that practice. We did all the things like mandating the masks, the social distancing, the hand washing, the rigorous cleaning from the start. Um, and, and also we self-monitored really from the beginning for any symptoms. And we had a strict stay-at-home policy if anyone showed felt sick or any suspicion of sick. All of it kind of that added to the challenges that our teams really faced. Um, now that, you know, that, that's, I feel like we've been comfortable and I think we've done the best we could uh, in those early days and, and currently. Yeah, right. Now it sounds like you have. So now that it's 2021, though, tell us how are things going currently? I mean, now we're going on a long time of this. Yeah, I, I mean, I think things have gone as well as can be expected. And, and it really never goes unnoticed that the teams have been heroic throughout this whole p pandemic, uh, balancing the responsibility of their professional oath with all the real world challenges, um, you know, about taking care of their own families and, and facing those risks and bringing, bringing them home. Uh, could not be more proud of, of, of our profession and, and certainly our heart and paw teams as well. Um, you know, I, I feel like we're still kind of waiting for these vaccines in some ways. Some of our doctors uh, have ha had vaccines, but it's also creating a little stress because we're waiting for some people to kind of um, get vaccines, trying to figure out where we are, where we stand in the process. So there's been a little bit of heightened anxiety around that now, uh, but we're really trying to stick to our guns about really... Uh, um, following the curbside practices that are in place that have worked for us. Um, and that's been pretty important for us go, go going forward. And I expect we'll continue to do so for a while. Yeah. I mean, do you think, well, what do you think the biggest challenge has been with handling COVID and keeping your hospitals open? I'm just curious. I mean, you mentioned a few things just a minute ago, but is there one that really sticks out, which which I think made, we had, makes it really challenging? Yeah, we had some people that actually were positive. Um, none of them, most none of them really infected anyone in our hospitals. They really became positive um, in family gatherings, especially around the holidays. But as a result, it did create gaps in what we were able to do um, because, uh, you know, we had team members that couldn't be functioning. So we had to do without those and creating those gaps while still trying to meet the needs, um, you know, was challenging. And sometimes it made adjusting hours uh, of operating. Uh, you know, but I do feel like all the measures that we had worked in place kept it from being worse. I know for me personally, one of the biggest challenges has been just keeping up with the information and and handling initially there was those day-to-day -day questions that came up now they've kind of trickled down to you know to, to maybe one or two a week but trying to stay current with the information and try to be that kind of calm in the storm has been challenging i think the other really big challenge is, is our teams really want to interface with the clients and you know it, it's it's been a little bit draining not being able to do everything that they would like to do yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I actually want to talk to you more about your personal feelings about, you know, the challenges that you face. But first, I got to tell you, 
It's time for a pause and reflect with Zoetis quiz. Uh, this is a current events quiz. So we're going to take a break from the interview. We're going to do a little quiz. This, uh, these questions focus on news in the world today. Um, all you have to do is fill in the blank. And there's no prizes to win. There's no prizes to lose. Um, just our producer's sound effect. And I have this bell when you get it right to make you feel good. Okay? Okay. You up for it? I think so. All right, so here we go. Current events quiz question number one. The International Olympic Committee announced a new sport that has to do with music, which will appear at the 2024 Summer Games in Paris. What is it? Mm, music. Um, I would say dancing. Okay, what kind of dancing? You're close. Well, ballroom dancing? Ah, no. Break dancing. Also known as breaking. So the IOC president said, quote, the addition will help the Olympics appeal to younger audiences. Can you do a head spin? Uh, no, but probably one of my kids could. How about moonwalk? Do you remember the moonwalk? I remember the moonwalk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you do the worm? I like, I would, I, I can't really do it in this office chair, but <laughs> worm? No? I kind of no. do. All right. All right. Okay, you know, I'm going to give you the bell because you said, you know, you said dancing. That was close. Hey, it's good. <laughs> All right, here we go. So let's talk about sweet gestures. A Dairy Queen drive through in Minnesota recently was a site of amazing kindness. Why? They gave out ice cream to <laughs> worker, first responders or emergency workers. Um, okay. Well, that, you know, you're close with, with kindness. So a little bell there. Um, a kindness chain was started. One customer started paying for the order behind them. That car paid for the yeah. next car. Two and a half days later, more than 900 cars had participated. That's wonderful. Isn't it? That I was going to say that, that's sweet. Again, you know, not pushing a pun too far, but I tend to do that. Yes, I thought that was so nice. All right, number it. three. Ready? Canada has a moose problem, but it may not be what you think. Drivers in the Canadian province of Alberta have been told by officials not to let moose do what? I would say not to let them approach their vehicles. Why? Because they probably were getting fed treats. Fed All right, again. I love, oh my gosh, it's close, close enough, close enough. But you ready for this? The deal is they don't want them licking their cars. It seems moose in the Jasper National Park like to lick the cars because vehicles have salt on them and the mm -hmm. salt is spread on the roads to stop the ice from forming. And we know moose need salt to stay healthy and they usually get it from salty lakes in the area, but some have found it easier to lick the salt from the cars. And they, I saw this, it's so funny, they have these huge road signs that say, do not let moose lick your car. That makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did very well. I mean, you were very close on many of the answers, so nicely done, nicely done, I have to say. Good job. All right, Thank let's you. get back to chatting uh, about our topic at hand. So yeah. are you personally, are you personally feeling COVID fatigue? And if so, how are you handling it? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely am feeling COVID fatigue. Um, you know, I think that underlying stress that almost becomes part of normal, but does have impact on you, whether it's sleeping or, um, you know, just feeling drained uh, all the time. I, I'm trying to really get outside and it's, we've had, you know, crazy snow and cold in the Northeast where I am, but still going out and getting out in the air. Um, I've been reading a lot, I actually kind of done, um, kind of private book clubs with one of my veterinary friends across the country, which has been fun. Cooking, I love to cook. So I've really been trying to do that and gear it to healthier eating because like everybody, I think I kind of was too indulgent in the summer. So really trying to get healthy back that. Um, and, and just, you know, really kind of trying to be spending time focusing on, you know, some meditation and breathing exercises, which I'm always slow to buy into, but really does help. Um, so that's kind of a big part of it, yeah. staying connected with my bubble. Um, you know, my kids, uh, we've all been committed to kind of staying safe so that we can be together. And that's been a big help for us. Excellent. And in terms of your veterinarians and your healthcare team experiencing COVID fatigue, have you seen that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and again, it's just, it, it's it's sometimes you just have such respect and admiration for those that are actually in those centers and hospitals day in and day out. Um, we've had to really be very mindful of that. And we really had to be mindful that everyone handles it very differently. So it's not like a one size approach that you can use across, um, you know, all, all the different centers. Um, but really being there open, we have weekly calls where we do updates on COVID. We share best practices with kind of our center leaders and kind of transmit some of the information that can come out there and how to handle those situations. Um, we've made sure that, you know, if, if people have had to adjust hours or be flexible to accommodate, uh, especially with a lot of the young parents with some of the school situations, We've been really willing to do that and, and really putting our people first throughout this. Um, and, and we, you know, have really tried to recognize them. So one thing, simple little thing, I, you know, was out seeing how much time they were spending out in the cold in their scrubs. So we just delivered fleece jackets to all of our center team members, just as a small way of saying, we, you know, we know what you're doing is, is hard and you're doing it, you know, day in and day out as part of your responsibility. Um, so that's been a good thing. And, and really a lot of referring to the, like our employee assistance program where they have resources to kind of handle some of the challenges. Right, right. And I love that you said, you know, not, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And mm -hmm. I love that you really, you know, you appreciate that. So I think that's, that's terrific. You know, the public also obviously has been experiencing COVID fatigue. Are you having any challenges with pet owners? You know, I have to say, generally, I think the public has been very patient and very understanding. Um, you know, we have empowered our teams. If there was a situation where it was safest for you to have a client handle an animal, as long as you can be maintain the social distancing, as long as you feel safe with the masks and the face masks, you know, that might be the best decision in that time. But most of the time, I think the public has understood it. There have been some cases where they've not wanted to wear masks or they insist on being in there. And our, our philosophy is really to educate them, 
but to be really educate them around, here's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to keep our team members safe so that they can be here and be here for your pet. We're trying to keep you safe because, you know, that's a big part of our veterinary oath was really around that public health. Um, and ultimately, we want to be here as, as long and as healthy as possible to care for those pet needs. And it goes a long way when you explain why we're doing what we're doing. So I've been, I've been proud of the yeah. public, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What is your pearl of wisdom for getting through these times? We talked personally. We talked about your staff. Any? Yeah. You know, that's a that's a, a great question. I think it is very, very hard for everyone to kind of get through this. And in about a year ago, I kind of stumbled on this little book called The Boy, the Mole, the, the Fox, and the Horse. And I actually shared, um, you know, kind of one of the quotes that came from that book on one of our town halls about a year ago. And and then it's a little fable, but but the boy asks the horse, what is the bravest thing you have ever said? And the horse answers, help. And, and, you know, getting through these times has uniformly taxed everyone. And having the courage to ask for help really helps both the person asking for help, but most times it helps the helper too. And, and, and it's kind of something that I, I wish I learned earlier in my career to, to raise my hand, be brave and ask for help. Yep. I think that's huge. Switching gears for one last question. You've had such an impressive career. Any advice for a new graduate veterinarian who wants to be a leader in the profession? I think it's really important to be very open-minded and, and really try to connect with others in, in the profession. Um, you know, veterinarians are amazing problem solvers and they're among the most top educated people in the world. Yet we tend to have great humility. And, and what I would encourage new veterinarians that are graduating is really overcome any shyness or, or kind of insecurities that you might have and find ways to really get out involved in the profession, whether it's through organized veterinary medicine, whether it's for working with shelters or, or nonprofits. Just take the plunge, put yourself out there. Um, because you as new graduates have amazing perceptions and, and insights that the profession really needs. Um, so I think sometimes feeling it's not my term or I'm not ready, you know, don't, don't fall, fall, fall into that kind of thinking. Really kind of put yourself out there and, and you'll, you'll benefit. And there's a lot of people looking to kind of mentor and kind of pass on what they know to eager minds behind us. Yeah. And it's like, if not now, when? Right. And and, you know, you are ready is kind of what we're saying is you're ready. You're ready enough to take the plunge. No, I just think the mixing of ideas with new and, you know, if there's the desire to do there, there's value in what you have to contribute. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Well, we are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. It was a pleasure to be here, Dr. Friedman. Thank you so much for asking me. 
Well, thank you. So this is the first episode of Season 6 of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis. Episode 2 about the use of technology in veterinary medicine is up next. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to, and you will be notified when it launches. I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this has been Pause and Reflect with Zoetis.